Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. Episode number 157 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast right here in the infamous Sherrard, Illinois. 1600 Buck Slayer Place is the place to be if you're recording a podcast with me. I'm Steve. There's Kurt. Hello, Steve. Thanks for coming over. I know. Th- thanks for letting me be in your house. <laughs> Eric is gone again. God, that's been how many weeks in a row now? I, I stopped counting after the first time he didn't show up. Yeah. Poor Eric. I know. Well, that second shift deal, man. It's Every episode's like, Eric's not here. Everyone's like, we know. We know. Yeah, you wouldn't know if he was or wasn't. He's a silent man, uh, but a good a good man. Um, so we, we miss him. He'll be back soon, hopefully. I, I think there's a schedule change in his future. Absolutely. Um, the podcast is rolling right along. We're kind of in the summer lull of in between a lot of things. Everyone's busy. Focused on a lot of other things besides hunting. Um but if you find yourself kind of falling in that little groove between work and everything else going on, let us be your uh, your anchor back down into the hunting realm. Well, you've got a lot going on because you are now officially a married man. Yes. 
But podcast land works in mysterious ways, my friend. Sure does. So I'm not sure how that whole married thing works just yet. Hey, man. Um, but a lot of things go- are going on. Um, hopefully that you are tuning in at work or on your drive, or maybe you sit at home in the dark and listen to Working Class Boner. That's cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you do, email us from your parents' dungeon at workingclassbowhunter.com. Uh, yeah, check out com. The store's up and moving new hats, uh, new shirts going on. Uh, we'll get right into it here. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by uh, Elite Archery. Uh, we are big advocates of Elite and we believe shoot whatever brand you're comfortable with, and I'm comfortable with my Elite. Um, I've had a Synergy. Um, that was one of the best bows I've ever owned. Uh, I got rid of that thing, and I kick myself almost every day for it, but I'm shooting the Tempo now. So I kind of have a hybrid between the Synergy and the Impulse, um, both great bows. Steve, what about you? What are you, what are you shooting? I'm telling you that option six is crushing it. You know why? Because Ross Bigger killed a bow or a black bear with it. He did a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and Eric's got the option seven, but he's not here to defend that. So uh, we got the better of the two bow. I don't know what Larry bows. McCoy shot his bear with. I think he shoots the... I think he's shooting an option series. I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, check out Elite. Uh, AJHA Sports. Uh, lifetime Warranty. USA. Leader Wisconsin. In, Wisconsin. Scott Bakken, beautiful man. In our opinion, the leader in single pin sites. Uh, check out HHA Sports. Um, scent Crusher from the Ozone Go to the gear bag to the closet. Gotta love our Scent Crusher stuff, man. It keeps Steve's odor at a tolerable level. Yeah, I need to get that uh, that uh, boot dryer that they got. I need that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just put it in your bag. You can, on that side, I put my boots in my bag and ran a cycle. Well, that yeah. bag is big enough. You could tuck your bow into it if you had to. I think I could. I'm you gonna could try put like out. your kids in there if they stink. You know what I mean? You just fit them in there, run a cycle. It's good to go. Yeah, just don't tell the neighbors. <laughs> you might get the cops showing up on you. <laughs> the podcast is also brought to you by Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Beautiful Viola, Illinois. Down a couple hollers from here, and uh, ah, the finest deer processing facility in Eastern. Eastern Iowa, I was really Western hoping you Illinois. were going to just talk about the product, not just talk about like geographic I'm, location. No, because I, man, I was just thinking I uh, I ate my last meatloaf the other day. I was pretty heartbroken. So shame on you. Shoot bigger deer. That's what you got to do. Uh, Put Smith's I, Custom Eats and Deer Processing into the Google. If you're Eastern Iowa, Western Illinois, um, definitely worth checking them out. Uh, that family is good at what they do. Clean, sanitary, you know, if you work so hard, just like taxidermy. Find good taxidermy and find a good deer processor. If you don't do it yourself, it's worth it to go the extra mile to have things done correctly um, and to get the right products for bow hunting in general. And that's why the people that sponsor our show and the people we talk about, we believe in it and we we truly do use it. Um, If we thought it was bullshit and we didn't like it, we wouldn't talk about it. So it's as simple as that. You got a veteran shout out this week? I've just you weren't you weren't prepared. But. No, I was. I just um, you know I go through a lot of uh, a lot of like Instagram things like that, and uh, you know I've been following like a lot of a lot of vets, and you know this is kind of a, a general shout out. I mean, there's a, obviously we like to be super specific, um, but you know there's just there's times I'm just laying in bed and I'm looking at some of these guys that you know have had limbs blown off and things and. Um, Earl Gainville is one of the guys. I think I pronounced his last name correctly, but man, just just seeing how positive these dudes are, even though they've gone through stuff that 
I couldn't imagine going through. And I just, you know, I, I want to take this time to thank each and every vet. Uh, you know, no matter what you guys did, you still put the time in. And, hey, man, sometimes you didn't come back with all your limbs and things like that. But, you know, you're still just proud to be an American. And, hell, man, that makes me proud to be an American, too. If you can go through that struggle and still be happy, there's no reason I shouldn't be. So just a, a big thank you to each and every vet. You know, if you've got a guy that you want us to shout, a guy or a gal that you want us to shout out, man, we're more than happy to do it. But absolutely, I just, I just wanted to throw a general one out there. I was prepared; I had a couple lined up, but I just I wanted to get that out there. You know, great. I love your veteran, your veteran shout out, but you weren't prepared. No matter what you say, you I was. Prepared. I totally was prepared. Okay, moving right along to our podcast. Thanks to all the veterans out there. Yeah, send send in your veteran shout outs if you want us to. Uh, to shout someone out, um, it's literally, I don't know what it does. Maybe brings awareness, but it, we could, I don't know. It's just a little thing that we can do each episode. It probably doesn't make that big a difference, but we try. Um, this podcast, we got TJ on uh, from The Virtue. Super excited. Have actually, this is going to be kind of getting to know him. We've met a lot of people from The Virtue. Getting to and, know you. Um, respect the game <laughs> and a lot of the elite um, archery shows. Um not that the virtue respect the game is all an elite show, but related in that elite family. Mm-hmm. Um, so this will be cool. Um, Carbon TV, uh, the virtue, the exclusive home of the virtue TV. Yes, yes, beautiful. Um, we'll get TJ on here, and hope you guys enjoy the episode. If there's someone you want to hear on, or something you want to hear from us on an episode, we're just an email away. Workingclassboner dot com. You can contact us there, and maybe pick yourself up a hat while you're at it. Might so, as well. We appreciate you tuning in. Thank you. All right, on the phone with us, we have TJ Unger. That's right. I said his name in all caps. Ha, inside joke. But who in the world is TJ Unger? Everyone's wondering. TJ, who are you? <laughs> Everyone is wondering who in the world is TJ Unger. Everybody. <laughs> every, every, all the five people that listen to our podcast, yes. That's, that's right. That's right. Well, they mean no, the world uh, to me, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks for having me, guys. First and foremost, I'm I'm pretty excited about this. I'm long time listener, first time caller. Thank so, you, thank uh, you. <laughs> uh, no, so who who is TJ Unger? Man, that's um that's probably a better better question for my wife. But um, no, I am uh, I'm part of the Virtue TV. So I've been hanging out with Philip Vanderpool and the gang for gosh, going on eight years, something like that. Great group, um, guys. Great group. They are a decent group of guys. I mean, they they sometimes get rowdy, but uh, but for the most part, great great guys. I mean, honestly, Philip is one of the best guys that that I've ever met. He and I have been friends for a very very long time, and um, we've we've hit it off and just uh, just been pretty close forever. So he pulled me in in the transition over to the Virtue TV. And uh, that was at a time him and Dave Voise, Dave owns Hidden Thicket Productions, uh, and those two were partners, and they were looking to try to formulate a show, um, pretty dedicated to web-based. Uh, so they pulled me in to help out with the business side of things. Um, Philip then made a transition. Dave focused on his other efforts, and Philip, <laughs> Philip really needed a partner to to help him model this to become a, a successful, profitable business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I will never, ever claim 
to be as good a hunter as anybody else on this team, <laughs> but, but I've got some, some business acumen. So, um, I've, I've helped really form that business side of, of what is the virtue. So a lot of the behind the scenes, um, I run all of our branding and marketing, um, basically and all the relationships with our partnership organizations and our sponsors. And I also run all of our social media and manage our pro staff team. So that's, uh, that's my, after five gig. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, trust me, if, if, if anyone from my work is listening, everything I do for the virtue is after 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> yeah, I love we, that. We, we know how these <laughs> things work. <laughs> uh, that's right. So then my normal gig from nine to five banker hours, I'm managing partner for, uh, we are a national uh, provider of technical services. Um, really, providing services geared towards uh, reducing occupational injuries and illnesses and environmental impacts. So I've, I've actually, I've been doing that for going on 15 years. Um, but for that business, I, again, handle all of our marketing, business development, uh, and branding and that sort of thing. So oh, cool. you, that, you hear that, that working, takes up a man? lot of time. You're a suit. <laughs> You're, you make my job difficult. I am difficult. a suit. <laughs> I am, man. Uh, yeah, at least, at least during those business hours, I've got a few ties hanging in the closet and shiny shoes and that sort of thing. So that, that's really what, what pays the bills and, and keeps me going. But, um, you know, the environmental side of that business is, is not too far off from my passion for the outdoors. So, you know, I've been hunting since I was eight years old, something like that, chasing whitetails, uh, with my father when I was just a little, little kid. Um, so I think that kind of goes in hand in hand with with the, the consulting firm that we've got, right? Right. But um, I just want to say, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you saying what your your real day job is. There's, we've had a few people say what they do, but a lot of people are just kind of they leave that out. Which you know, it is working class bow hunter, so it's interesting to see what someone you see on on TV, carbon TV, uh, in the hunting industry, like what they actually do as a normal day job. You know. Oh, believe me, I get that question all the time. Like, oh. honestly, it's a weird balance, you know, because I, I try to stay pretty active with my own personal, you know, social accounts and that sort of thing. And obviously being on the show or a part of the show, the perception is that's all I do. Um, yeah. But the reality is <laughs> I do have a real job. So I, I get asked that quite a bit, you know, when we're at the shows, um, fans will come up or, or whatever and, and ask if if the virtue is all I do and Clearly, it's not. Well, so. yeah, and, and, and to piggyback on what you know, Kurt says because there's a lot of guys that we've talked to that you know, some guys do what they do, they're hunting full time. Other guys don't, and you know, I'm not saying one's more successful than the other, but it's just like, okay, you know, you find the guys who do have a day job, and the amount of time that they put into it after too is like really speaks to them. And I'm not, I'm not bashing anybody who does it full time. Like, if you could do it full time, great. But you know, there is just that. Obviously, if you're putting out that content after you go to work, that's saying something, you know. <laughs> because I definitely put in 40 hours at my real job. Plus, Yo, yeah. I definitely do. For the record, guys. <laughs> I, I can hear that. the sarcasm. I love it. <laughs> no, it does. I mean, it does. It affords me some... You know, some, some flexibility and, and some freedoms that I wouldn't, wouldn't otherwise have. But, um, well, and yeah, but yeah, it's it. cool. I mean, and you're right. That is, that is what this show is, working class bow hunter. And there's no doubt about it. Uh, I am, uh, you know, I'm a worker. I'm a, I'm a worker. We, we get dirty. I've got steel toed boots and wear them all the time. Love it. Love but, it. Yeah. Uh, so what, what did, did your 
nine to five get you your pretty little wife or was it the virtue? <laughs> it was my nine to five, man. All it was right. that suit. All right. Are they it was hiring? the suit. But really, she didn't <laughs> fall for it until she knew I was a hunter. So, oh, there you go. I, you know, she saw me in the suit. She didn't care for me. And then she saw some pictures of me out in the field. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This guy, this guy's got it going on. So Something to this. There's something to this guy. He is unusual. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I was like, here we are, a few minutes in the show, and Steve's already talking about this guy's wife. Here we go. <laughs> way way okay. to go, man. Yeah, okay, yeah, because we just weren't going to bring it up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, don't, don't get me wrong. She, um, she is absolutely gorgeous. I way outkicked my coverage. She is, is still to this day. I, I get out of bed, and I look in the mirror, and I'm like, when did you get so ugly? And then I walk into the other room, and I'm like, gosh. <laughs> hey, no lateral moves. You only move up when you marry. You yeah, know? That's right. Oh, did we lose him? I don't know. If we did, that would be too funny of a time to lose him. Oh, yeah, that's no, hilarious. No, he's still there. It must have cut out. Oh, um, his wife heard us talking about him. Yeah. TJ. Did I lose you guys? Oh, Are you he, there? Yep, you're back. We're we just, thought you hung up on us. I was like, man, no. he, dude, he, he played it like he was into it the whole time until he hit the end button. This guy's good. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened there. It was a, a pretty solid cutout. I don't know if my line, if my wife broke the line because she knew I was talking about her or that's, what. That, yeah, that's, that's what, what Steve saying. said when you were gone, but uh, we're good now. If, if it keeps happening, good, we'll good. Just, Glad I'm back. Glad to be back. If it keeps happening, we'll just hustle through it. Um so you kind of already explained how you got with the virtue. What's your favorite thing about being a part of that team? You know what? The team of, of the virtue is 100% down to earth guys. I mean, I've, I've met so many people in this industry and been fortunate enough to make a lot of really great friendships and, and that sort of deal. But at the same time, I mean, you guys know there's guys out there that I don't know how genuine they are. And, and it is a very cutthroat industry. There's, here's my deal it is the the hunting industry and and this is speaking kind of stereotypically but it's fueled by you know uh, our our basically testosterone if you will it's a testosterone fueled business it's typically you know guys which there's a lot of women getting into the industry which is exceptional but historically speaking hunting was a guy's a guy's deal um and so i think you throw in that testosterone and egos and you know, everybody competing and, and that sort of thing. And you get that, that cutthroat aspect of, of the industry, which that's the way it is. I mean, I've got competitors in, in normal business. Everybody's got competitors, but man, it just seems exceptionally different in, in the hunting world. And I think Philip, um, you know, one thing that, that I've, I've learned in, in talking to so many different people, hundreds and hundreds of people that have been in this, the one thing that I can say, I have never met anyone that has anything bad to say about Philip Vanderpool. And I don't care if I was a part of the virtue or not. The guy is just, he's salt of the earth. He is the kind of guy that I want to hang out with. I want to grab a beer with or, or whatever. Um, so that being said, he's also got a lot that he could have a large ego about. The dude is an absolute killer. He kills giant whitetails. He's killed more turkeys than anybody I know. And he's, you know, you see what I'm saying? So he's yeah. got such an unbelievable background that out of anybody, I could see Philip having an actual ego and just being overly confident, but he's not. He's so incredibly humble right? and, and puts everyone else first. So, you know, truthfully, Philip has taught me a whole lot about being a leader, 
um, in, in working with others. Sometimes I get a little bit worked up, whether it's my job or with the virtue or whatever. But um, Philip is, I mean, he is very steadfast in putting everyone else's value and, and benefit first. So that, that right there, working with Philip and learning from him is incredible. Um, the rest of our guys, you know, for the most part, they're weekend warriors. You know, they are like me and they've got a normal nine to five. But they're really crazy passionate about the outdoors and sharing it with other people. Um, so getting to see the stories and getting to see the rest of the guys that I'm really good friends with have success in the field and, and grow and, you know, learn from one another. I, honestly, that's, that's my favorite part. Um, I've got a couple of, of very good friends here at home that we've had a couple of episodes together. Brady Miller and, and Dwayne Jones, they are, uh, two of my very best friends here at home. And to have those guys, you know, two of my best friends to be able to share that with them, um, with their families and Dwayne's children and all that. It's just, it's really special, man. It's an opportunity that, you know, a lot, maybe not a lot of people get, um, you know, don't get me wrong. You can share the outdoors with anybody, but it's just kind of taking the passion to another level. So it's really cool. It's really neat, neat little gig and, and love sharing it with friends and family. So yeah, the, the the virtue is one of those shows that the emotion is just it's real. Uh, we did get a chance to meet Philip in person. I love that guy, man. Love that guy. He <laughs> gave me the nickname the Round Man with the Square Deals. Round Boy with the Square Deals. <laughs> oh, Round Boy with the Square Deals. I didn't even make man in his eyes. He didn't even make it to man level. No, but you know, there's the realness that's there. Um, you know, there's there was an episode that. You know, the Daddy's Gun um, episode they did where he got his, uh, was it 16 gauge? It was his father's gun, and it was, oh, right before I think his father passed away. It would have been like Easter, like 25 years ago, the Easter Sunday before. And, um, you know, there, the emotion was just so real. And I, I, I remember watching the episode with your elk hunt, um, which we can we can talk about, too. But, I mean, you guys didn't hold anything back. You showed the real emotion, what really happens. You know, there was no editing. It was all there. I, I am such a fan of that realness. It, authentic realness, Authentic, because it makes you feel like you're actually a part of it. Like, I'm a, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and guys like seeing that kind of backstage stuff. But, you know, sometimes that stuff's set up. But this felt like it was just real. You no know what I mean? Barred. Yeah, absolutely. I love yeah, we're not that. we're not holding back. I mean, like you said, Phillips Phillips episode with with his father's gun. I think it's up there, probably with the most uh, emotional hunts I, I've ever I've ever seen. It was the best um, twenty minutes of hunting I've ever seen in my life, and I I am not too big to admit that I cried too. Man, yeah, it, oh yeah, it, definitely, definitely. I wish you guys could have could have been a part of the phone call. So, you know, it was Easter weekend. So you're, you're exactly right. It was exactly 25 year anniversary of his father's passing. Um, and the, the year that his father passed, he, he hung that gun up. It was his dad's gun, um, that he killed his first turkey with and hunted with his dad with. And he hung that thing up when his father passed away. And 25 years later to the date, he took that sucker out on Easter weekend. And, uh, I, I knew he wanted to do something really special with it. Um, but, uh, exactly what you're talking about. It was exceptionally genuine and it was a tribute. He wanted to do that for his father, not for the show, not for anything else. He wanted to do that for his dad. And, and, and it absolutely comes across in the show. And he called after that happened and 
man, it was tough, you know, to try to hold back tears. I was actually in Nashville with my wife's family and my mother-in-law standing there. It was tough for me to hold back tears and in celebration with him and, and that sort of thing. But I'm yeah, we don't hold to back, right man. now, man. We, uh, we definitely, we don't, we don't hold back a lot. And then, uh, like you said, that elk hunt, that was, uh, that was a tough one, man. It's, it's the highs and lows, you know, mm-hmm. we are putting ourselves out there and, and when you do that, I don't care if it's on social or, or whatever, we are putting ourselves out there. And so far as I'm concerned, if people don't like it, if people don't want to see me cry or don't want to see me celebrate, don't watch it, you know, right, don't, right. don't watch this stuff, but, but I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to hold back and I'm not going to fake anything that, that we're doing. Um, otherwise for me, it's, it's just not, it's not worth it. I'm not, I'm not here to, to be somebody else. Um, and that's, you know, part of it in sharing it with our families and our best friends. You just can't, you know, they know right. what's real. Well, the so, thing is too, is a lot of people that, I mean, I mean, there's people that hunt that don't, it's weird. Like there's people that hunt that don't get the emotion. Like I've been with other guys that hunt when maybe something emotional happens on a hunting show when I hear, Oh geez. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, listen, man, shut up. Like, right. 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 I, maybe I'm, a, I'm an emotional hunter, I guess at, at the, at certain times as we all are. Sure. But you know, if I kill a deer that I've been, and I've had a rough season, I will, I might break out in tears. I don't know when or where, but like, it's just where it hits you. You know what I mean? Like the deep emotion will hit you and it's, that's how you know it's real. You don't know when it's going to happen, but yeah, I guess yep. it's, uh, I've cried, uh, on the recovery of deer, on the loss of an animal, on just the pure frustration of just putting everything into it. Like leaving your family, putting things off, not going to events cause you're in a tree doing this and you're, it's just, it's all the effort and time and money and everything put into it. And just your pure passion for the, for, for the, for what you do, you know, it's, it's crazy actually. If you think yeah, it, it, it absolutely. There was a string for a while where, you know, I was on a pretty decent roll with whitetails. I've, I've had a pretty dry spell in the last couple of years, but I was on a pretty good string of, of killing some pretty decent whitetails and there for a while, instead of breaking down and, and crying, I'm not kidding you. I thought I was going to get sick. Every whitetail I killed, I thought I was going to throw up because that adrenaline just ran through my veins. And as soon as all of that's over, it, it's like my body didn't know what to do with that chemical. Um, but, you know, my wife, well, obviously, she's like the first telephone call that I make after, you know, after a successful hunt or, or whatever. Right. And she always says, I get so worked up, even if it's, you know, not a good hunt or, or however, she always says that I just get so, so worked up and, and that I need to try to control that better and, and try to maybe not get so keyed up. But honestly, guys, if I didn't feel that, I don't think I'd do it anymore. Like if I truthfully didn't feel what I feel, I, I don't think I'd do it. That's, that's part of, of this whole thing, putting all that effort in and all that passion and it's, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. It, it feels great. It is, it's awesome. There's nothing like it. Yeah. You know, it's really sure. weird. You actually still make phone calls. That's weird. You don't just send a text. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, nothing's better than that, like, post shot 
phone call, though. Exactly. There's nothing better than that first phone call. Uh, guys, I still do handwritten letters. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, it's, handwritten it's the, thank you. He has a pen pal. So, yeah, no, it's that first handwritten uh, carrier pigeon. Or that, that <laughs> you guys are going to get a handwritten letter thanking me for my first working class phone podcast. <laughs> TJ, if you send a, a picture of you, sign it, and write a handwritten letter, I will put it in a double frame and put it in the studio. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> deal i really will um who's talking about that who's the first post shot phone calls you make name rattle off the first three we already know the first one what's who's the second two first phone call is definitely my wife second phone call is philip vanderpool every single time no doubt about it third man it really depends where i'm at usually the guy with the (laughs) four-wheeler It, that's what I was gonna say. The guy with like the truck, who's ever driving, I'm like, yeah. man, it's getting dark real fast, and I'm gonna need a ride out of here. So, yeah, that's usually that third call, no doubt about it. The first, first one's my wife. Second one's always Philip, just because he's, you know, he loves to celebrate like that. He's, he does the same thing with me. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's just like when we were kids, you know, if, if we killed when I was when I was young, we were shotgun hunters for whitetail, and um. If we got a shot and we had a successful hunt, we didn't have walkie-talkies, we didn't have cell phones, nothing like that. We would always pick up that empty shotgun shell and and basically blow in it like a whistle. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but basically like a like had. a bottle. Uh-huh. You know how you can blow in the bottle. But that was our signal that we killed something. So our buddy would come running over. That was at a time that we couldn't, you know, couldn't couldn't call or, or anything like that. But that's I've never heard really, of that. So the shotgun. Yeah, man, that's what. Uh, <laughs> Basically, my dad, I mean, my dad took me hunting when I was a little kid. That's that's how I got started at this. And he would set me at a tree with my single shot 20 gauge, and and uh, he'd go to the other side of the woods or wherever he was at. And if I had a successful hunt, boy, I'd pick up that, that empty shotgun shell. And unlike cell phones, it is not an immediate response. So <laughs> I would blow on that sucker until I heard leaves crunching. <laughs> there you go. That is funny. Kurt, who's your, I got to know, who's, who's your first three? My dad. Uh, number one? Yeah, my dad's number one for sure, because normally he's with me. And I always love, uh, I don't know, it's always like the same three to five responses. Dad, I just shot a big buck. No shit. <laughs> 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 or or it's, F yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, or, did you see him go down? Is he down yet? And then uh, I call Sam, my fiance. Well, at this time, this is released, my wife. Um, or And then I always send it. Uh, we have a group text. Uh, the guys that are real close to the podcast, like we, we, I call them the WCBOGs, original <laughs> gangsters. Uh, I, uh, I send a group text to them and say, what, buck down or doe down or whatever it may be. So that's that's mine. So that's uh, yeah, pretty solid. How bad, Steve? What about you? I think my first call is Philip Vanderpool. Oh. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, really? That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm not no. the only one that calls him. That's great. <laughs> Philip's like, geez. <laughs> He's like, oh, Steve's calling me again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, my first one's uh, probably, probably my girlfriend because I'm like, hey, uh, I get to come home soon. <laughs> no, soon enough, you know. I'm like, oh, the hunt's right. over, but yeah, this could be a while. Uh, second call, I think, is Kurt. 
And I don't really talk to anyone else. I don't think I really got a third phone call. Phase <laughs> uh, two is good. Phase two is good enough. Even, you know, back in the day when it was, what was that, T-Mobile or AT&T, you had that Fave five. You remember that? I don't remember I, that. No. It was like your top five people that you called. I don't remember that. Did you chirp wow, them too? It. Google it. Is Fave this, five. Is this before or after Nextel when people were like, yeah, adult, the chirp. adults with walkie-talkies? Unlimited I don't know. Chirp, I feel like homie. I'm 30 years older than you guys. This is insane. Yeah, so search out. I think it was probably it was like T-Mobile, I I believe, but it was your fave five. But oh, even hilarious. then, man, I didn't have five. I didn't have five. I filled it with like three. That's hilarious. That's weird, man. Um, it is weird. One thing I want to talk about since we're I want to reel it back into kind of the emotion and, and TJ, I'm I'm curious to talk to you about uh, your elk hunt. So you sent us a few episodes, and I have the, the episodes you sent us. I I have them linked in the description of the episode of this podcast. Um, and the elk episode, I want to talk about that a bit about that struggle because we watched it again before uh, when Steve got here initially in the studio, and I had to like kind of look away so I didn't cry in front of Steve because um, <laughs> I I felt for you, man, like big time. Um, what kind of emotion were you going through, and then how do you feel about it now? Yeah, it's a uh, it's tough. I, I'll be very very honest with you guys. That was that'll be one year in September, and I don't think there has been a single day that has gone by that I didn't relive that hunt. It, it it's brutal. I I have built up so much for an archery elk hunt, you know. So far as just dreaming about it, like I said, I started white tail hunting when I was eight, and, and just been out in the woods for my whole life. And there was always this like ultimate goal as a hunter was go on an elk hunt. Like ever since I was a little kid, I'd always hear about these crazy guys that I always looked up to getting to go on an elk hunt. So my whole life, I'm like, it's just, you know, it's it's a pie-in-the-sky type goal. But it, it came together last year. And, and truthfully, even leading up to the hunt, it was like, man, you got to pinch me. This, this absolutely can't be real. I am actually going on my first archery elk hunt. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I put a lot into it. I think I packed like six months in advance and then unpacked and repacked and unpacked and repacked. So there was just so much buildup for this thing flew out there, uh, to an unbelievable ranch out there. And the, the, the properties itself, like the land is, I've never seen anything like it. It is huge country out in Colorado. And the, the first day was a gorgeous day. We, you know, was kind of spent just, learning the layout and, and learning what this is all going to be like and driving around in the Hyundai. Yeah. Driving around. It, it was actually like a Ranchero. I think it was like a Jeep Ranchero or something like that. Oh, that wasn't the, what was the car that we saw? It wasn't that a Hyundai. Hyundai, that- a Hyundai. Oh, it was a Hyundai. You're right. That was, man. That was the rental car. That thing was like the Lamborghini of those freaking Rocky mountains. That thing, that thing was a champ. <laughs> It was embarrassing, but it was a champ. So that that first day, we, we just spent kind of la- learning the land and, and figuring out how we're going to hunt these things and that sort of thing. The next day, Philip joined us. We went way up to 11,000 feet elevation um, and, and actually hunted together, which is really, really cool. It's an unbelievable experience to hunt with Philip and just see how he, how he reacts to, to just every experience in the encounters that you have um that day was a very very special day up 
at 11,000. People say, you know, you hear that cliche saying of you're 11,000 feet closer to God, but it was, it was a very spiritual thing to be that high up with some of your best friends. And Mm -hmm. so that, you know, just the emotion and, and everything building up. And I think it was that third morning maybe of like a nine day hunt. Brady and I got out to a wallow that we'd been seeing, you know, getting 300 plus inch bulls on the coverts pretty consistently. Um, so we decided basically to, to just hunt this wallow set up on this thing and packed a ton of snacks in our, in our bags and got set up. And out there in Colorado, you know, obviously in the mountains, mountain hunting is entirely different than, you know, how we hunt whitetails and that it's, it's hilly and the wind, it doesn't matter what the forecast is. The wind really changes significantly all day long from one minute to the next because of all the valleys and temperatures and everything and for that whole morning the stupid wind was going straight up the gut and and we had a pretty good feeling that that the elk were going to work down from the top of the mountain down to these wallows um as as the day got warmer but like i said the whole stinking time i had a windicator and all morning that freaking wind was going straight up the gut and we kept saying it's just not going to happen those freaking bulls have a nose the size of my face. There's no way they're going to come down here with the bad with a bad wind like that. Yeah, right. And we heard not shortly thereafter. We heard what sounded like baseball bats hitting every single tree running down the side of a mountain. And we look at each other and we're like, I'm pretty confident that's a bull coming. Right, right. <laughs> so to scatter and and get everything around. And as soon as that sucker steps out, I hit that windicator and and. It blew straight up about three feet, circled, and blew right back in our faces for the first time all morning. So it went from, he's going to bust us, to, holy shit, this might come together. <laughs> right, right. And the entire time, we're looking at a pine tree out there going, I wonder how big, when when an elk comes in here compared to that tree, I wonder where he's going to come on that tree, like, like how high he'll be to that tree. He was like three times higher than what, what, we, had, what we estimated. Just a giant bull, beautiful, beautiful bull and uh got the opportunity i was pretty calm the entire time and drew on that animal and and it's just so much bigger than a whitetail and to take aim on an animal that big and looking through the peep it's really hard to to really judge (laughs) right in hindsight i mean the vitals are enormous (laughs) But, you know, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be right in that wheelhouse, right in that, that heart, because that's, that's what we do, you know, as white mm-hmm. hunters, we sneak it in right behind that shoulder. Right. Um, but I, uh, I overcompensated and released that arrow and, and buried it right in that shoulder bone. Oh, yeah. When me and Kurt were watching it, it like, you know, we went and watched it and as soon as the shot hit, we were just, oh, you know, oh. I mean, and it, it happens so, on whitetails, mm-hmm. and we, if you bow hunt long enough, you know that shot. It's just. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If you do it long enough, you're going to, somebody's going to do it. One of your best friends or whoever, someone's mm-hmm. going, going to hit that shoulder. But it sucks, man. There is absolutely no way about it. And, and when you release the arrow as soon as it hits on impact, you know it's a bad shot. I mean, there was like new excitement in my face when I turn and, and look at the camera. I knew. It's not a dead bull. Like that is just, it's not. Um, but, but you try to convince yourself that it is, you know, you're like, oh yeah, no, it, it, yeah, maybe it was, yeah, maybe like, it was good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe, right? He didn't run yeah. off. He's, 
kind of reacting a little bit funny. Brady's like, dude, I think he's going down. Like he's he's doing that funny little sidestep deal. Um, so there was still like this weird hope, you know, in my gut. I'm like, that thing went through its it went into his shoulder. But there's this there's this crazy amount of hope that's going. Well, maybe you penetrated the shoulder and got enough into that lung that he's just going to die. Right, right. Because sometimes so, it's hard to tell, especially with an arrow. It could go in, and then once they start moving, that arrow works out and flies out. You know, and, right. you, and you get enough lung. Right. Um. But man, yeah, you just never know until you get on the trail. You never know. So we ended up picking up that arrow, walking over, and we actually found. You know, if I'm a whitetail hunter. I'm looking at that blood and going, that's good blood. But at the same time, we're talking about a creature that's, you know, three to four times larger than a whitetail. (laughs) So, you know, we had that moment. And and honestly, I just like we were saying about emotion, there's no controlling it. And I I didn't even know it was going to happen. I actually squatted down uh, just to kind of look at the arrow and, and, you know, just kind of run through what what our next step is going to be. I I don't know. You know, I'm whitetail hunter, turkey hunter, whatever. I, I'm I'm trying to process all this, and when I squatted down, dude, it just washed over me. Like I cannot explain it. It just absolutely washed over me. I, I completely lost it. Like I knew it was a bad shot. It's in its shoulder. Pretty confident that that dream that I had of all these years of getting on a bull just absolutely crumbled with an arrow to the shoulder. You know, hindsight now looking back at everything and, and reviewing all the footage from we had coverts running the, the video from the covert is unbelievable. Um, but it, it, it shows, you know, it is absolutely was not a vital shot. We retrieved the arrow. Um, just the, the penetration was, was pretty minimal. Um, so that bull lived, you know, I've got the satisfaction that it's absolutely not a dead bull. Um, but, but there's that pit in your stomach. That knows it was so stinking close. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, it was so, you know, so stinking close. The the beautiful thing about you know this is yeah, it's one of those hunts. It it was your moment, absolutely. You know, this was your time to shine, and you got so close, and it slipped away. But the next one, oh, the next one's going to be next, insane. That it is absolutely going to be insane. And here's here's the reality of it, guys. So yes, I built all this magic up to going on an elk hunt. But that stinking hunt was like, that morning was almost too perfect. It was textbook. The elk walks down. He doesn't smell us. He doesn't see us. He turns broadside, walks over to the wallow, puts his head down. I get drawn. And yes, I screwed up the shot, but it was like almost too perfect if that's a thing. And if it would have happened, I don't know that I would have had the same degree of appreciation for how difficult it is. And how, how, how tight that margin of error actually can be that I do right now. Yeah. If you're hearing this at home, this is the attitude you need to have. So don't give up this, this right here. Rewind it. Listen to it again. TJ, what you just said is the absolute attitude, man. I love that. You have to, man. And so, so here's the thing. I come home and, and now I am completely ate up with elk. Like, entirely just lost for it I, don't get me wrong i love whitetail hunting i love turkey hunting but honestly that kind of like just took my mind off or away from elk until september september rolls around but i promise you i have been shooting non-stop since i got home and i'm shooting all the way up to 100 yards that's kind of my practice range is out 70 80 90 out to 100 yards 
in every arrow I've released, whether it's on a turkey, whether it's on a whitetail, whatever it is, ever since I got back, I swear to you, the flight of that arrow is being fueled by this freaking challenge to get back out to Colorado and get my elk. It's insane what this stuff does to you. It is. It's good, <laughs> yeah. man. I'm glad that you bounce back and like you're you're better from it. Even though like you don't you won't know until probably for sure. I mean, obviously you're sh- you're probably shooting way better than you ever have now. But when you're back in Colorado and you're going after it again, it's gonna you're gonna really feel it. You know, it's gonna, oh yeah. You gotta. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know what's crazy is while I was out there. And, and, and I read, I don't know if you guys read while you hunt, but, um, after that, after that hunt, you know, I tried to go back out and, and it's really, really difficult to keep, you know, to keep positive. And that was like day three of a nine day hunt. So going back out was really, really difficult to, to maintain a positive attitude. But I was actually reading, uh, reading a book, um, called The Hunt. It's David Farbman. He is the founder of Carbon TV, uh, Outdoor Hub. Oh, yeah. Um, and he also owns some, obviously, some real estate in Detroit and uh, medical business and, and that sort of thing. But um, he founded Carbon TV, and this guy also wrote a pretty exceptional book called The Hunt. And and after that happened, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy the hunt. I'm going to kick back and and try to get my mind out of this low of lows and just enjoy Colorado, to be honest. And set up on the rest of the the wallows the rest of the nine days or whatever it was um and i read that book and one thing that i took away from that was basically asking ourselves why so i went to colorado to kill an elk i wanted to archery hunt an elk i wanted to bring home an elk and i focused on that that was that was my passion that was what i was focused on but i ended up doing what i set out to do I shot an elk. That was like, that's all I focused on. And, and in reading that book, when David writes, focusing on the why and asking yourselves why you want that. So why did I want to kill, a, to kill an elk? Why did I want to go on that archery elk hunt and focus on the whys that are fueling that drive? And, and for me, honestly, it was, you know, to, to share this stuff with Philip. Philip gave me that, you know, opportunity and introduce these guys, uh, you know, to partially say thank you for the things that I do. And so I want to give back to Philip as a successful hunter, you know. I wanted to, to show him that I can do that. And I wanted to share it with my best friends that have been rooting me on all this time. And focusing on the whys that are that is fueling that, I, I think that's going to help us become much more successful in the mm-hmm. future. And that book, I'm telling you, it changed the way, you know, how I'm, you know, running – the the virtue business and and running seven gen which is my consulting company and it's uh, it's just a different perspective and it, it's pretty neat to to get down to the elemental piece of of why we're doing this stuff yeah i want to sure. and that you know you, you brought up that uh david and this is a little transition because i want to change gears and and get into whitetail a little bit but uh the first time i ever saw that guy uh was on the uh the nodr those guys did the deer camp yeah, and that was that was really really fun. Um, What's NODR stand for, Steve? Yeah, yeah, you know it stands for something. <laughs> those guys are awesome, man. They really it. are. I, I love those they're, guys. They're good dudes. They were we're social media buddies. Um, I love those but, guys. Uh, I would love to try to put together a, a hunt with those fellas. 
Oh, um, dude, I got Chip City. TJ, if you can hook up a podcast with them, hook us up with them guys. Do what? I'm sorry. If you can hook us up with those guys for a podcast, I'd love to interview those guys. Oh, I think we could probably do that, man. They're all for it. I mean, he's like, I'm hanging out with them right now. Let me, let me pull them in. Hold on. <laughs> no, I bet they'd be up for it. They are crazy guys. They're super authentic and just raw. And I mean, I think they, I don't know why they wouldn't be up for it. Crappy This is what they do. They, they've always Weston, been yeah. web based. They are, you know, they're, they're all about technology and, and having a good time. So. Yeah. And it, so before we transition into whitetails too, um, since there's like, you know, we're talking web based and carbon TV, Lynch Mob presents Virtue Unleashed. What in the world is this? <laughs> 2017 was the Virtue's greatest turkey season of all time. Like, not just the Virtue, but the guys that are in this whole thing. All of our team, we had such an unbelievable 2017. We got 70 turkeys on film. We got 70 <laughs> turkeys flopping on film. That's because before insane, the season they man, met us. It's not like we got 70 guys on our team. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so awesome. we... Uh, we just had an unreal season. All of them, you know, are, are mixed between. So I got like my niece on her first turkey, and Philip got a ton of little kids, and Clint took out kids, and we just shared it, you know, and shared the success with our friends. And Brady got a couple birds, my best friend Brady and my best friend Dwayne. Dwayne had an unbelievable year and just stacked these things up. So we, uh, we had a meeting with the good folks at Lynch Mob. Lynch Mob Calls, George Lynch started that business, but they make turkey calls, they make waterfowl calls, and uh, Lynch Mob was interested in joining up and joining forces and rolling out an Unleashed miniseries. So we work with the Outdoor Group, which is, you guys know, you're, you work with Illy Dartry and those boys. Mm-hmm. Um, Love them. And uh, basically, we had too many turkey kills to load into 10 episodes for the spring season of the virtue and we love to bring fresh content so we didn't want to drag it on into 2018 uh, because we plan on stacking up more birds so our great relationship with lynch mob and um and the success that we saw from using lynch mob calls we partnered up and we're we're rolling out we just started last week which by the time this airs is like four weeks ago or something um just rolled out the virtue unleashed with lynch mob calls and it's a fast-paced series. It, rumor has it, the one of the episodes, I think we're going to see 14 turkeys flop. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think 14 turkeys hit the dirt in one episode. So it, it's just a little bit different feel from the virtue where we're sharing you know, stories and, and sharing the passions with our friends and that sort of thing. It's just a little bit more fast-paced and uh, just a little bit different feel. I know it's not turkey season, but it runs in our blood, man. We've gotten such a huge response and and support from from the fans and they want more of it so we're gonna feed it we're just gonna keep saturating you know the the carbon network with the content that we've got and uh this unleashed this unleashed series is is pretty hot it's pretty sweet the more that time goes on the more i fall in love with carbon tv i just isn't it awesome i fall deeper in love with carbon tv and and i have uh MOTV, my outdoor TV, which is great, uh-huh. which is great too. But carbon TV is, you know, you can, you don't need any money. You need an email account and you can watch these hunting shows for free. And you can, right. it's, you know, you could subscribe to dish network and have, 
all these other networks too. My Outdoor TV costs you a certain amount a month. Yeah. Carbon TV is doing all these great things and all these like mini series and all this. Oh, the American elements are killing it, yeah, man. I love them. I'm, I'm obsessed with Carbon TV. Our good friends from Last Breath TV are on there as well. And uh, Heartland Bowhunter, which we interviewed uh, on the last episode. Yeah, last week. Um, it's just, it's, it's awesome. I don't know what else you can ask for, especially if someone's killing 14 turkeys in one episode. That's all you want right there. Yeah. If you like turkey hunting, it gets it all taken care of. And we lost him again. He is gone. Man, he's out of here. He he hates when you talk. <laughs> he does. Here, I'll call him right back. He's probably like, hello. When did we lose him? What do you think? It says FaceTime audio unavailable. I don't know. Let's get him back real quick. One second. Oh, here oh, he there is. he is. Oh, TJ. <laughs> Stupid technology. Hey, when did we lose you? We were curious about that. So I caught uh, but Carbon TV. Oh, man. <laughs> well, we just love it. Okay. Move, moving right along. All right, yeah, moving along. Let's it's all up. there. We we played it off beautifully, if you ask me. Good, good, good. Yeah. good, um, good. Let's go. This is where Steve wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you doing to prepare for the 2017 deer season? Yeah, so uh, 2017 whitetail season, is uh, it's going to be a little bit different. I did not get drawn in Kansas. Uh, my farm's in Indiana, which is usually like my honey hole. That's, that's where I'm at most of my time. They are just not producing, man. It has been a really tough past few season here, here in Indiana. Um, but if you saw one of, uh, the spring episodes of Virtue, it was, um, the youth, basically youth hunt where we all took youth hunters out and I took my niece, my goddaughter on her first turkey hunt. And we went over to uh, Illinois Whitetail and Waterfowl. Brad House uh, invited us out there, and we had an awesome, awesome freaking trip. My niece got her first bird, and uh, and we shared everything with those boys. So Brad's son and, and his best friend Michael with his son, everybody tagged out. They all got their turkeys. And and just, I mean, you guys know the hunting world, we're just a different, we're a different breed. You know, salt-of-the-earth type people, and uh, just started up a really great relationship with those guys. So Illinois Whitetail and Waterfowl, they are, I don't want to say they're just getting started, but for all intents and purposes, they're just getting started. Um, they have access to thousands of acres over there in Southern, uh, Southern Illinois, um, real close to, if you guys are familiar with Campbell cameras, um, or Campbell, uh, mm-hmm. Illinois hotels there, they're right there in Carmi. So these boys are just North a little bit, um, of Campbell's. And uh, just some some unbelievable property over there. And while we were turkey hunting, we got done early, obviously. All the kids were done. So we started basically just checking out all of his farms, um, looking at everything, seeing how he whitetail hunts it. And, and it's all river bottom and sloughs and just unreal property. Um, so we've, we've made this awesome relationship. And because they are where they're at with the business, um, you know, they've asked for a little bit of support in – you know, in the preparation and, and really, you know, getting this thing going so far as food plots and stands and, and all that fun stuff that we love to do in the off season. So that actual, that farm is only like four and a half hours from my house, which is really not bad. So uh, Philip and I are planning on working with these guys and spending a lot of time over there in the off season, helping with all that prep. So planting food plots, identifying where stands should be and, and, you know, really just kind of exploiting what they've already got going and, and setting cameras and, and doing all this fun stuff. But 
you know, honestly, we'll, we'll go back out there in the fall for a, a whitetail hunt. We'll probably have some friends go with us and, you know, maybe some folks from the outdoor group and, and that sort of thing. But Philip and I are definitely planning on hunting with these boys in the fall. But it is so much cooler for me and, and, and Philip and I'm sure you guys to be a part of the preparation. Like that's truthfully absolutely so much more than just the, the hunt and just the kill and the, and the release of the arrow or whatever it is. Is the journey that, that, that we all put ourselves through. It's that buildup that my wife says that, that I should probably should, should cut back on a little bit, but <laughs> so much emphasis that we put on all this. Uh oh. Ah, we lost him again. Are you guys there? Yep. Oh, yeah, man. There. He, that, that was like, a hell of a right? sentence to end. He's <laughs> lingering. So much emphasis we put on this, and then it was just over. <laughs> so much emphasis that we put on this. Fuck. <laughs> oh, man. But, so, so no. So, so we put so much emphasis into this stuff, and, and, and there's so much more than just that hunt that, that we live for this. You know, I, I truthfully, I enjoy just getting out there and hanging out with my buddies. And, you know, I'm... This is people are going to eat me up for this, but I don't even know how to drive a tractor, guys. I grew up in in a small town, but I was city. I don't know how to drive a tractor unless it's like a lawn tractor. So you know, for me, I want to learn. I want to learn this stuff. I'm I'm intrigued by farmers, and and I think it's a really really interesting thing. And and I want to learn about this stuff. Now I've done food plots, but they've all been poor man food plots. You know, maybe I'll take right. a tiller out or whatever. So for me, it's, it's learning that from these guys and working together and, and putting in this time. So if, if Brad is successful or Philip is successful, man, I feel like maybe I helped out a little bit. Like, man, I have a little bit more to celebrate with you. Like I, we all are in this together and it, it just, it's that much more celebration when it happens. So for sure. Well, that's what you know, don't creates the I'll, emotion I'll go anywhere and, and let somebody put me in their tree stand and, and I'll hunt all day long. Right. Um, right. But. There's just a little bit more behind it this way. For sure. Well, I mean, that's what creates the emotion. If you just didn't do anything, it wouldn't be a big deal. <laughs> right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, it's- absolutely. I mean, it's happened before. I I, I went on, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of predator hunting, but it's never been real successful. Um, and this last this last fall, a couple of my buddies and I, they were like, hey, let's go, let's go coyote hunting. I'm like, okay, I have no idea. I, I don't call coyotes. You guys are going to have to do this. We set up on one of my farms. They all, they called and did everything right. And like 10 minutes later, a coyote pops out at like 30 yards and I shot it. I'm like, well, I mean, okay, cool. <laughs> cool. But I mean, I didn't do anything, you know, I didn't even, I just pulled the trigger. So, right, right. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Like there's certain people that won't, well, there's certain people that aren't as invested as like what we say, like, you know, what we talk about. It, but that go out like that and kill a coyote first run, and the next thing you know, there's 15 pictures on Instagram talking about how good of a coyote hunter. Oh yeah, for right. sure. <laughs> it's like, well, hold on, let's backpedal a little bit. Straight expert, son. I, I may, actually, I may have posted that picture and said hashtag greatest coyote killer in the world. Well, <laughs> hey, come on, we get the rib, you know. <laughs> you should have said, man, I planted so many clover plots to kill this coyote. And uh, so you got to bring the deer in before you bring the coyotes in. So you got to right. grow the deer populations so the coyotes come. Yeah. Figured it out. I don't even care about white tails. I, I plant food plots for the deer to bring in the coyotes. And I, I raise that I is raise, next level right there. I raise baby squirrels and I break their legs so that the coyotes come in. It's so gruesome. Jeez. Man. Oh. 
Hashtag you guys greatest are not ever. right. I have a feeling you guys are not right. Like hey. we have not met in person. Oh. I don't feel I don't feel real comfortable like giving you a hard time, but I will say this: I don't know if you guys are quite right. Hey, hey you just got to ask Philip, yeah. Clint, and Brandon. They they did a podcast <laughs> with us at the Iowa Classic in person. <laughs> I would say that Brandon and Clint definitely think we're not right, but I don't know, Philip. He probably is questioning us for sure. <laughs> we still got we still got the wool pull pulled over uh, Philip's eyes, so he still thinks we're pretty That's good. Right. That's right. Yeah, Clint and uh, Brandon did the mistake of going out with us after the show. So that was- yeah, that's what I heard. I uh, oh. I remember seeing. I remember talking to Brandon that next morning. And, oh, you uh, heard he the said, story. He said that. Yeah, he said that podcast ran really long, like <laughs> really long into the wee hours of the morning. It did. It, it um, changed location several times. You know, that was all good. It's a great. We'll talk about that after the show. I want to know what okay, we heard. Got you. Got you. Um, well, all right. So. This is one question Steve had jotted down real quick, and I find it very interesting, and I want to hear your answer. Um, if you had to take the best area in Indiana and the best area in Illinois that ha- that you've been, which would you choose and why? For whitetails, of course. No doubt about it, I'd choose Illinois. There is no question in my mind. Um, this is like soapbox for me, guys. Indiana, and I'm not I'm, – I'm, your 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 WWF reference. There's no hold barred, man. I, I won't hold back <laughs> to these guys. the The way that Indiana has structured their their seasons, the the hunting seasons, and and how really the the emphasis that they put gearing gearing our our whitetail season completely like the alternative to how you would want to to practice conservation. Whitetail deer are our natural resource. We know this, right? They, they are part of our natural resource. And Indiana has structured these seasons for, and, and they're very, very antiquated. They're, they're way outdated to go back into the 90s when Indiana had an unbelievably high uh, population. The herd was really, really strong, and numbers were just outrageous. And you would have encounters. I remember sitting out there in, in the, the late 80s, early 90s, and no joke for a morning sit, and I wasn't sitting six hours. A morning sit, we'd see forty deer. Uh, go home, come back out, and in the evening sit, you'd see forty more deer. Now the the quality maybe wasn't there, but we still had encounters, and and obviously, you know, the state being fueled by insurance and and farmers and and that sort of thing, they they really changed their laws and and put more emphasis on basically controlling the population and pulling that population back and, and reducing the numbers. Right. Do but you guys have rifle season now? I've heard do what? I heard they were trying to implement rifle season in Indiana. Oh, they absolutely have. Yeah, they absolutely have. They passed that rule. Uh, last season was the first season for it. So <sighs> here's the deal. As soon as we get the, we have about 275,000 whitetail hunters in the state of Indiana and and I did a lot of research. I actually I, I I opposed that that high powered rifle rule. I went to several of the meetings that uh, the NRC and the DNR put on, um, and, and they were getting feedback from Indiana residents. And, and I spoke at, at a lot of those things. And so I wanted to make sure that I had my statistics right. But over two hundred two hundred seventy five thousand Indiana hunters, and the majority of those hunters are actually gun hunters. The problem with that is the way that Indiana has the season structured that shotgun season rolls in in the peak of the rut. So when the peak activity exists and these deer are on their feet and moving all this thing in time, 
you're putting into the tree stand the highest concentration of hunters, and those hunters are gun hunters. So the probability of these hunters being successful with a gun is much higher than with a bow. Of course, of course. So so that that season structure has been around since the 90s, and they haven't changed it, and they haven't gotten feedback on our population and, or anything like that. And then throw in there the the variables of increased uh, crop prices. So grain prices have gone absolutely through the roof. And so farmers, and it's no disrespect, I mean, it's, it's their business. They've taken out every single fence row and pushed back every single tree from the line that they possibly can just to squeeze out another row of corn or another mm-hmm. row of beans or whatever. So all that habitat is just being deconstructed. And and around me in, in the area that I'm in, just these these housing additions are popping up everywhere. And it seems like every single week you see a new housing addition and they're tearing down woods that I used to hunt. And it's just, it's the habitat is on the decline and the seasons are staying the same. And they're adding, so they added uh, crossbows a few years ago without a special license, which fine, whatever. Then they added this last season the ability to use high-powered rifles. Um, they did release recently the number of, of successful kills in, in Indiana, and it really hasn't changed um, over the last couple of years, which is insane to me because the population continues to decline. Yeah. And I'm only seeing, you know, I'll go, I'll go, man, uh, ten days or something, and I won't have an encounter on the same farms that I used to have, you know, eighty encounters a day. Right, um, right. It, it's just tough, tough, tough. Now, don't get me wrong, Southern Indiana still has the habitat. It's much more hilly terrain down there and a lot more dense, you know, dense forest land. Um, so they're still seeing decent, you know, decent numbers. Um, Indiana still has, you know, really, uh, really good, I should say, quality. So um, we're still seeing 200 plusers being killed in, in Indiana um, each year. But mm-hmm. it's just the the numbers, the sheer numbers of deer are, are mm-hmm. way, way down. So well, TJ, what you were saying, what you just said about Indiana um, and where Indiana has gone uh, to the rifle season is something I say on the podcast all the time about Illinois because mm-hmm. I think Illinois is the same way. Like, hasn't changed the firearm season. The layout falls right in the middle of the rut. Mm-hmm. Um, there's talk now. I don't know how. I, there's talk that it's going to go. Well, I think this has actually been passed. I don't know if it's been publicly released. Um, that crossbow season is going to go year round without a special permit or like a doctor's note or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and. I heard rumor they're trying to implement rifle season, which I'm 100% against in Illinois. Um, yeah. I don't feel like it's necessary for the same reasons you just mentioned. And it sounds like Illinois is like Indiana is going to follow the same format as Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I wish Illinois would format after Iowa. Um, yeah. Yeah. And how they have their firearm seasons laid out. And Eric, our other podcast host, which is he's working second shift right now. God bless him. Um he always shits on Illinois. He's like, I was way better than <laughs> Illinois. And I'm like, I'll fight them. But really, they have it yeah. figured out as far as their seasons are laid out. The yeah. only thing that does suck about Iowa for the us, the non-residents of Iowa, which is good for the deer population of Iowa, is that we can't draw a a, a, a buck tag every year. Yeah. Okay. Um, But that being said... I would rather see a very healthy population and let me ball, draw my buck tag once every three years, you know, that type of thing. And then you just know there's the higher quality of deer in mm-hmm. Iowa. Right. You right. know what I would be totally fine with if every rifle had like a minimum minimum 65-pound pole trigger. 
65 <laughs> yeah. pounds. Hey, if I got to pull 65 pounds back to kill a deer, so do you. You know how many people right. do in a maximum of in a maximum effective range of like 90 yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That'd be fine. It has to be like a certain grain bullet. It's just like it shoots. It's just like muskets, dude. <laughs> right. You're not We're getting these really rifle barrels. We're going to those gun hunters. Now, guys, I've killed a lot of deer with, with guns, too. <laughs> But he's lying. He's lying. Oh yeah, come on. You know we're just ribbing, <laughs> or are we? Let, let, let me ask you this: What do you think about? This is another controversial topic, but we're talking about. Oh, say it. Herd management, blah blah blah. What do you think about feeding? What do you think oh, about okay. feeding regs? I thought you were going about like else. baiting or. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. You plant food plots in the same deer eat those. So what's what's going to be the difference between a mineral block? Here, here here's my thing. You here's know. my comparison with baiting. Yeah, like the food plot thing. That's a a gray topic. Whatever. I think I think if you if it's grown, that's fine. The thing with Illinois is it's different. I don't know about Indiana. Is you can't put any feed out. You can't put mineral out. You can't put any sort of feed out, even for trail cameras in the summer or anything. Um. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, to the listeners, I believe in Iowa you can feed them up until a certain amount of days before season. Is it two weeks before season you I don't, can leave mineral out? I, I don't think. remember exactly, but I think you have to – it has to be, I don't know, 100 yards from where you're hunting or it has to be shoveled out and removed if it's like mineral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's basically how Indiana is. That's, that's basically how Indiana is. But my whole thing is you still you still have to put effort into it. You still have to have the deer there. You still have to figure out their routines. You can't just throw a bag of corn and expect deer to come walking to it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's not I like... Actually, I would much rather see the state become a feed state or a bait state than a high-powered rifle state. I 100% agree. 100%. Yes. yes, I agree with you. 100%. More yep. like a 1,000%, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I'm on board with that for sure. I would rather yeah, there's, see. There's no doubt about it. What's crazy, I was talking about those those public hearing meetings that uh, Indiana DNR and the NRC put on. And at all these meetings, the the stats came out and, and it was a resounding no. Like the public, for the most part, the public was not for high-powered rifles. It wasn't a voting phase, but it was public comment. And they recorded that public comment. And the majority of the people especially in northern Indiana, said no to high-powered rifles. That following season, a congressman somewhere in southern Indiana pushed through a bill amongst a whole nother uh, pile of, of bills, and it got passed. <sighs> it got passed with no additional public comment and nothing else. It just got folded in just like good politicians do. Oh, it got yeah. folded into a bill. And nobody said anything about it. And when it came out, I'm like, what? What? Can't hate this a man for being no good way. at his job. <laughs> right. Yep. And there's no doubt about it. I have no doubt in my mind that that congressman has ties and lobbyist friends in the insurance company. Oh, I In the bet. insurance world. For sure. There's no doubt about it. Oh, that dude That's got what's paid. what's crap about this, man. That is what's crap about it is, you know, the insurance companies, which... Uh, we work with insurance companies. I, I work directly with insurance companies. They're doing really well, like <laughs> really, really well. And and to see our population and, and the natural resource to be on a steady decline as mm -hmm. it has been, it's just insane to me that the greed is is over basically overshadowing the 
the, the efforts and, and the goodwill of, of preserving or, or conserving our natural resource. It's, it's sad, man. But, right. you know, I guess, I guess to, to go like 15 minutes back to your question, <laughs> I, for me, it's, it's probably like the grass is always greener, but I had a really, really crappy whitetail season last year, <laughs> like really bad. Yeah. Man. There were, there hey, were they, multiple hunts. I don't even put, think I put my, my release on like, it was bad. It was just bad, bad. In Illinois, the grass is always greener, and there's no rifle shells in the grass. So, <laughs> yet, come yet. Okay. Indiana's looking into Illinois, and Illinois is peering over in Iowa. Yep. And there's Eric. <laughs> hey, it's standing there being a douche about everything for sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna drink your bush lattes and oh, hilarious. <sighs> we love you, Eric, and your bush light Iowa beer. Bush right <laughs> and your bigger white tails. Uh, uh, whatever, they're not that much bigger. Disgust. They're not. Wait, why did I admit that? They're not even bigger. Period. That's right. End of story. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, anywho, um, what can we expect next, TJ? Man, I guess you're going to have to really tighten that question down. What can we expect from me, from the virtue, or like from the whole hunting, television, that whole thing? Liz's Instagram is what we were actually asking about. (laughs) (laughs) My wife is actually, she has been considering doing some sort of a routine vlog through her Instagram story. She, uh, she's, she's pretty awesome girl, obviously, but, um... She's very, very busy. She travels the country. She travels the world and uh, does a great, a great job at, at her career. Um, so she is thinking about doing a little bit more with social and, and up in her social game. So you'll see, you guys will see that a little bit. You guys, you guys will see that hopefully. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's narrow it down to, we'll go with the virtue this time around because I have a feeling you're going to do much more podcasts with us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm up for it if you guys are. So, so what's next with the virtue? I mean, you know, we're doing this, we're doing this thing with, with Lynch Mob Calls, um, the Unleashed season, the, the, the little mini series that'll wrap up. It's seven weeks. Um, I think you'll probably see a little bit more waterfowl. Um, I, I've been waterfowl hunting my whole life and, and the partnership that we've got now with George Lynch, me, Philip, George and, and Dwayne, um, Dwayne Jones, we ran down to Arkansas and Philip, Philip always said that he's not a waterfowler. He does not waterfowl hunt. He's not a duck hunter, blah, 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 blah. But if you guys saw the smile on his face when he crippled up his first green head and that thing splashed and he ran out there and got that sucker, <laughs> you'd have thought he shot another <laughs> booner, man. He was so excited on What, that did he beat the shot. dog out there or something? Oh, we didn't have a dog. <laughs> no. I mean... You had a we Philip Vanderpool. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Philip was our dog at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he had a blast. And, and you know, if any of you guys have, have waterfowl hunted in the past, I mean, it's it's the camaraderie. You don't have to worry about scent control. You don't have to worry about anything like that. It's, you know, it's decoys, calling on your lynch mob calls and, and being able to shoot. And Philip ate it up, man. He absolutely ate it up. He had a blast. He killed his first duck. He... Ended up piling up a whole bunch more green wing teal and all kinds of other ducks, and we had an absolute blast down there. So I think we can expect to see a little bit more waterfowl hunting. Um, we'll probably incorporate those uh, respect the game fellas. We've got some plans to do some hunting with, with Larry and probably Paul Biggs 
coming this fall. Great guys, uh, great guys. They've both been on they the podcast. They are great guys. Matt Paul Biggs is a is a pretty good feller, and, and Larry McCoy. I don't know if you guys have seen him dance, but uh, but he can cut a rug. You know what? We we never saw Larry dance, but he was supposed to come in with an elk bugle call during uh, Phillip's podcast, and he never <laughs> did. I, I was disappointed. I was hoping for it. I was kind of nervous the whole time. I'm like, this dude's going to rush in here. Right. Uh, he's going to scare all of us. Yeah, but that never happened, so I'm kind of holding them to that for next year larry mm-hmm. you hear mm-hmm. this larry <laughs> so yeah so i mean we're we've got some cool plants uh, some some hunts planted um and uh some things that that we're gonna unfold but you know we have absolutely no intent of going any direction other than the web web-based is it, it's absolutely awesome we were talking about carbon tv and um what we are able to do to, to combine social interaction, social media, and then roll out our episodes, you know, two to three weeks after it's actually happening is so cool. It is and incredible. Our, dude, our, our fans absolutely eat it up. So they'll follow us on Snapchat or on our Instagram story or whatever, or Facebook Live from the field, and, and they're getting to experience that with us. And, and they're asking questions, and they're, they're engaging with us. And then three weeks later, they can actually see everything that that happened produced in in an episode. And you know, we we want to stay that route. It's really really tough. And Clint does an exceptional job. He's a very very efficient producer and editor, and um, just you know, he's got a knack for this stuff. But you know, being on the web and working with Dave, you know, Dave Farman and and those guys, it, it's it's awesome. We have a great relationship with those guys, and they do an unbelievable job. And we have no intent of going anywhere other than the web and bringing this stuff to everybody for free. We still get questions all the time. Well, where can we watch the show? What what channel is it on? I don't think I get that package. Do I have to pay for it? Blah, 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 blah. Dude, Carbon TV is on everything. You you can download the app on iOS or on your on your Android phone. You can watch it on Roku or Xbox or That's yeah. where I watch it. It's it's like everywhere. Yep. Um and it's free. So if you got an email address, you can watch Carbon TV. That's it. That's all you need. Uh, that's the toughest part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere offers email addresses for free. For free. So we, uh, you know, we're we're pretty committed to the web. We'll continue doing that stuff. Um, you know, we've got a great relationship with Realtree, Philip, and and Clint and Larry. They their Montana hunt made it on what is this the 25th year anniversary of Realtree Monster Bucks? Oh, I gotta go package? buy it. I'm so sad that I haven't seen it in a story. I collect those. Yeah, man. So this is like 25th year anniversary, I think, for that. Um, so the their hunts made it onto that. Um, you know, we're we're pretty passionate about sharing this with everybody and staying staying down that same path. So you know, staying true to our roots and. And keeping you know keeping the stories unrolling and and the emotions high, um, and, and sharing this with with everybody, sharing it with our best friends and families, and that's that's what it's about for us. So we we have no intent to to change that direction. For sure, it sounds good to me, brother. I'll, I'll follow you guys forever. Same thing with the respect the game boys too. Yeah, the way that Jim Blossom says, anywhere you go, I'll follow you down. <laughs> <laughs> yep. TJ, where can people find you and the virtue? So, uh, man, you can find us all over the place. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything, Snapchat. Um, probably the easiest is just go to thevirtue.tv. Uh, that is our website. On that website, you'll find Clint, Philip, and myself. Um, you'll find all of our social links. 
on that website, you will also find links to our website. I've put in there uh, an auto-updating embed player. So basically, it's the player from Carbon TV, and you can watch all of our episodes right there. It, it updates any new content that we get. It auto-populates in that sucker. So uh, you can watch all the content right directly from there. We do giveaways occasionally through Carbon TV. So I would encourage probably the easiest way to find us is is straight up through our website, thevirtue.tv. Um, otherwise... Uh, all of our social, we stay very, very active on, on our social media accounts. Um, what's sad is I don't even know what mine is. Like my Instagram handle, I think it's like TJ underscore Unger, maybe. You got it. Is that it? Yeah, I was just creeping it. Yahtzee. Well, this will be so, ta- the episode on when we post it on Instagram. If you follow up, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you follow us, and then we'll tag you, and it all just turns into this beautiful shared community of online weirdness. <laughs> isn't it great it is great man and then outside of that i mean really i would just encourage you to go to carbon tv so you know there are a lot of shows on there but you're going to find the virtue at, at some you know some point in time um a couple of of awesome shows to check out on carbon tv you guys mentioned nodr um, <laughs> i love it that is that is excellent it's brand new it's an original to carbon tv and those boys are raw they are authentic and they are hilarious. You know what's that's great about great it, one? too? Unedited. Love it. It is unedited. You're right. It is straight up. That's what I meant by it. <laughs> that caught me <laughs> off guard, man. When I was watching that, they're sitting in the deer blind. They're talking about their, you know, Willies and Johnsons. And I was like, <laughs> uh, I thought, I was like, dude, did I get like the premium subscription? Why is this right. not edited? Right. What happened? What happened? Yeah. You know, I used to work at a record store and, you know, we'd refund people if they bought an album and it was edited. Be like, oh, yeah, we'll get you the, we'll get you the real deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, those guys are awesome. They're absolutely hilarious. Love them. And then, and then, probably on like the the polar opposite, there there is a show called uh, Passion of Pursuit. I don't know these guys personally. Uh, Joey Gothier is the host. He is the narrator. But this show is fantastic. I think that it's produced by Brian Dryden. I don't know if you guys know Brian. No, he is. He is the founder of Motion Culture. Motion Culture works with uh, the Lindsay Boys, so Jeff Lindsay and David. Love them, uh, guys. Absolutely love they, those guys. They work with those guys. Uh, Motion Culture works with Heartland Bowhunter, um, Southern Chaos, if you know Southern Chaos. Uh, that's another good show. Um, that's Garrett Hartley. He is the NFL kicker. But Motion Culture, um, I think that they produce those shows or at least help out with it. But Brian Dryden works with Joey Gothier and produces it's all waterfowl hunting. Uh, but man, the message is unbelievable. Joey, like I said, I don't know him personally, but from what I gather, I don't know if he's a minister or what, but this guy's narration is literally like some of the best stuff I've, I've ever heard. It's really inspirational. Uh, the episodes are pretty short. They're maybe 10 minutes or less, uh, but you got to check it out. I don't care if you're a waterfowler or not. The message that they push is, it's so freaking cool, man, and, and the content. They're they're shooting some pretty pricey cameras, I think, um, and, and they're doing a great, great job. Those guys, like I said, I don't, I don't know that, that a lot of people know of them, but, uh, but check them out. And truthfully, I don't mind plugging other shows on Carbon TV because you're going to end up stumbling on the virtue, and it's a whole world. Once you jump into, into Carbon TV, I don't, I don't know if you guys do Netflix or anything like that, but – oh yeah. The, the trend is like binge watching. People yeah. binge watch content. I mean, truthfully, my wife and I rip through shows on Netflix, and 
it seems like we'll burn up an entire Sunday or something watching a, a series. And people do the same thing with with online hunting content. I, we get messages all mm-hmm. the time from people through Facebook. People will ask me, "When's next? When's next episode coming out?" I just watched thirty episodes. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Well, the thing. I don't know if it's the format I'm watching on, but my Xbox and I, I try to binge watch. It mm-hmm. doesn't roll through to the next episode. No, it doesn't. Sometimes. You always have to back out, and it's uh, I mean, it's a new technology, but that's, it's not that's awful. That's the only thing I think Carbon TV should work on. On the Xbox app, I don't know if that's where I watch most of that's, my That's TV. all I watch it on, too, yeah. Guys, I don't have an Xbox. I, I, I don't. I don't have an Xbox. I'll be honest, I don't even have a DVD player. I don't have anything. It is all streaming in the younger household. It's all streaming content. Fancy. It is fancy. Yeah. It is fancy, but at the same time, like I spit out. You can watch it on Roku, right? Dude, right. Yeah. If I if somebody set a Roku in my lap, I'd be like, I I don't know what I don't know what this is. I don't know how to use it. I don't even know what it is. Man, I can't wait so, till Virtue comes out on VHS. I can put in my VHS rewinder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. So yeah, man. I mean, that's that's the beauty of of the web and and Carbon TV is is watching all this stuff. So I like I said, I don't mind plugging these other shows. They they are doing awesome, awesome work. And and the more time you spend watching those shows, you'll end up spending time finding something else awesome. So for sure, anything that, that you guys suggest or the fans suggest, man, I'm all for it. Share the share the love for sure. And that's where it's different. Like with the the outdoor television online. It's like the outdoor podcast world, or the podcast world in general, is a very strange place. It's uh, if you if you're kind of in the podcast industry, or or you are a fan of podcasts, there's so much variety, and there's so many. It's just kind of a weird place right now. I I don't know if podcasts are if it's at the. It, I think it, we're on a steep incline of growth in the podcast game, and I have no idea where it's going. Yeah, I've heard that the the podcast lifestyle is really similar to the rock star lifestyle. And you've got like fancy cars, fancy clothes, beautiful women all over the place. Well, it's it's similar. It's a bit better than the rock style. Like it's similar. Well, I I consider us the underground of the, of the outdoor podcast game. Um, and I'm kind of proud of that in a way. Um, what I mean underground is that we're, are you still there? Do we lose you? (laughs) (laughs) I, I consider underground is like, we're not in the forefront, but we're like right where we want to be. Like our vision yeah. isn't as good as you know the ground dwellers, but you, like, you ever listen to like a metal band? You're like, who is this? They'll never make mainstream radio, but I'll continue to listen for some right. reason. That's how I feel. Right. We are, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I can't yeah. wait till we sell out, man. Oh, we're gonna disappoint no, so many people. We're gonna awesome have so job. much like, money. <laughs> no, you, really, you guys are doing a great job. Like I, I wasn't kidding. You said, have you ever listened to? I really have. I mean, you guys are are doing a great job, and I think you know, it, social numbers are a funny thing to see how many followers people have and and whatever. It's a funny thing. I think it's skewed. People people may not follow they may not buy in or whatever but dang it they're listening and you guys have had some really really exceptional people on your shows i mean i went back um you know kurt when you reached out to me i'll be honest i was a little bit overwhelmed i'm like man you guys have had paul biggs you guys have had larry mccoy no joke I mean, <laughs> really, you, you guys have had some legit people on there and and, and it's it, it's just a testament to what you guys are doing i was truthfully a little bit I was having that that pre podcast jitter, and and it's it's because you guys are doing it right. So I appreciate that. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's great. You guys are doing doing a good job. I like listening to it. Well, well I'll we, tell you what, we TJ, appreciate that greatly. If I, if I had a bunch of rings on my finger, I'd hold them out and let you kiss them all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> one day, my friend. One day, <laughs> TJ, man, you are a blast. I want you on every episode from here on out till we decide to cave this podcast straight into the ground. <laughs> I just um, want to be a part of that OG group. The, oh, the OGs group. Oh boy, yeah, man. The, the what is it? W C H O G. Is that what it is? W C B Working Class Bowhunter OGs. Here's a yeah. here's the thing. It's we a scary group, man. We want you to like, continue to like us, and the uh, the stuff that you'll see in there is. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. It make a tomato blush. You know, it's just. <laughs> it's, oh. it, but it's, if you want in, it can happen. <laughs> I want in. I may regret it, but I want in. I may regret it in the future, but That's I'm right. putting it right here. I hey, want in. TJ, stick around on the phone, man. I appreciate you so much. You're a blast. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as we did. We could keep going. We could be four hours deep like a Joe Rogan podcast, but we got a. <laughs> It's a hunting podcast. Our people are, are wired a little different, but we no, man. We thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Um, Steve, you got anything to add real quick? Nope. TJ, any last words for your first podcast with us? No, guys, this was awesome. I had a blast. Thank you very, very much for having me on. Okay, don't hang up on us yet here. Um, everyone that listened, we love you so much. Thanks for listening. Um, I don't know why you continue to support us the way we do, but we do. But we're so thankful for it. We really are. Um, we're, we're so appreciative of everyone that's gone to workingclassbowhunter.com and, and bought hats and shirts and just any sort of goodies you get. We appreciate that more than you know. And... Uh, I just don't know why you continue to listen to us, but we have a great time doing this podcast, and we're glad you enjoyed it. If you made it to the end, to the end of each episode, for some reason you enjoy it. So we're so thankful. And uh, I guess go shoot your bow. We love you. Later. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.